<laughs> All right, and welcome to a very special live episode of Psychology and Stuff, the podcast of the University of Wisconsin Green Bay Psychology Program. I'm Ryan Martin, chair of the psychology program and host. Um, I've got an all-star lineup today of people who are going to talk about the movie uh, Stanford Prison Experiment, which we just watched as a group. So uh, first, I want to introduce uh, social psychologist, UW-Green Bay psychology faculty member and human development chair, Dr. Kate Burns. Hello. Yeah. Sorry, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I usually get applause. Yeah. Yes, yeah. good. Yeah. So Every class starts with yes, applause. Yeah, as they should. And they should end that way, too. Little hint for everyone. Just last day. Yeah, don't wait till the last day. Even. Don't even wait till the last day. Okay, Any just, good day. Just every class. All right. And on, on that note, uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce health psychologist, uh, UW-Green Bay psychology faculty member, Dr. Regan Garone. Okay, there we go. Yes. All right. <laughs> And finally, um, non-psychologist, uh, a poet from the UW-Green Bay uh, English program, the chair of the English program, Dr. Chuck Ryback. All right, you should get in on the microphone too. Make I sure will. people. We are truly right. interdisciplinary. Right. Yeah, no. So um, I want to start out by asking Kate, our social psychologist and instructor for research methods, um, who. who uh, uh, you know, to, who studied this most in depth, I think, right? No? That's a lot of pressure. That's no. a lot of pressure. <laughs> I, this is the first time I've seen this movie. Well, yes, okay. no, the movie, and, and me too. So all of us are actually watching it fresh tonight, is that right? Yeah, this yes. is absolutely mm -hmm. yes. fresh, live feelings. Live feelings. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm hoping, uh, so, yeah, but you, I think, are familiar with the original study. You talk about it in research methods. Sounds like you don't always talk about it in social psych. Is that true? I, yeah, I actually don't cover it in social psych. Okay. There's not really a good spot for it, but I, I do cover it in research methods. Okay. So does Regan. Interesting. Yeah, do research you, methods, yeah. Do you? Did you used to teach social psych, right? No, nope, never. Okay. Which is weird, being a social psychologist. But yeah. we have just so many skilled social psychologists at UWGB that there is no place for me okay. teaching social psychology. <laughs> okay. Teaching social psychology. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I've already got my facts wrong on in the opening minutes, right? Um, okay. But uh, could you, Kate, describe the the study for uh, for the listener? Everyone here has seen the movie, but for the listener at home, could you give a a, a sense of what happened? Sure. Um, so the, the idea was that uh, Dr. Phil Zimbardo from Stanford University was trying to um, look at the power of the situation and so was trying to look at, you know, could he have people take on these social roles and kind of looking at what a prison environment might be like if people took on the role of prisoners and guards, like could they become these people? Um, and so he randomly assigned people with a flip of a coin to be a prisoner or a guard. Um, you know, normal, well-adjusted male college students. And he intended to run this study in the basement of the Stanford prison, uh, or St Stanford psychology. <laughs> wow, <laughs> taking <laughs> our role. prison, yeah. <laughs> oh, no. uh, the, the basement of the Stanford psychology department. He intended for this to go for two weeks, and then things kind of get out of hand, and instead ends it after six days. All right. And I've got some I've got some dirt on his canceling of the study too that I want to talk about, but we can get okay. to that in a little bit. Okay. I've been doing um, 
some background research kind of throughout the day off and on. So I, I learned a little bit, a lot about the study and some of the background or at least some, some quotes from Phil since. So I don't know how much of yeah, it. First name basis. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, I just watched yeah, a movie. One with know okay. Al and now he's hanging with Phil. Yes, that's right. That is right. Um, I tweeted at him, by the way. He has not responded. This is the second time I've tweeted at Phil uh, and he hasn't responded. So let me down, Phil. There's a great video of him <laughs> dancing on Twitter, though, if you want to watch it. <laughs> so, so, um, so, Chuck. Yes. As a so, I I was hoping you could uh, kind of shed some light so, on, on what I just saw. On what you just saw, as someone who is not familiar with the yeah. study. I mean, well, first of all, answer that. Like, how familiar are you with the study prior to today? I was expecting shock treatment. Okay. Like literal. Wrong movie. Yes. Yeah. You were and thinking so of the experimenter. I just kept I waiting for <laughs> electrodes, and they never showed up. And so <laughs> I feel deprived. Chuck, right off of this, we can fix we that. We can fix that. Okay. Um, Hello. <laughs> what? Yeah, that's I don't know. I, I will say that. This is the psych department. It, it is. I'm thoroughly freaked out first. now after seeing this, and <clears throat> I'm not going to come to Mac Hall as much <laughs> as I used to. Um, I, I don't know. That affected me pretty strongly, I guess. I have a. I don't know, just watching it, I had a very visceral reaction to it. I don't know, did you folks, I mean, my stomach was kind of turning and it reminds me of why. Um, it made me think a lot about, I'm a literature, poetry professor, um, and I know, you know how young adult literature is the big thing these days, like the Hunger Games, and if you've ever read 1984, that kind of thing. Um, I sort of get why people hate authority, you know, after watching this. I get a really nice reminder of guards and experimenters are evil. And I'm not saying that about psychologists directly. Um, but all of my sympathy is with the prisoners, of course. And so if you're somebody who's read The Hunger Games or uh, The Maze Runner or something like that, that yeah, you know, the authority is there and there's a mechanism of control is keeping you in place and and if you're looking to lash out against that that I, I mean I understand why you don't read many novels from the point of view of the guards <laughs> right like it's always you trying to get away um, so that's my initial response to this is that I had a very visceral response and I um, really dislike the guards and the experimenters and yeah, how's that? To start? <laughs> that's, a good, that's a good start. <laughs> I have a lot of notes, but okay, I'll just say that to start. Unless you want me to say more. No, we can. I guess my next question. This is just sort of for anyone and everyone. Is what general thoughts about the study, about the movie? Um, what are what do you think? Is there an IRB board at Stanford? Who approved so, this experiment? <laughs> I, I have an answer to that. So um, first, no, there was no IRB because this happened before IRBs existed, right? So IRBs were what, uh, okay. 78, 79? And hence they now post exist. Belmont report. Yeah. So um, however, he says in an interview about this, uh, this movie, um, uh, where somewhere he says, okay, clearly people suffered more in this experiment than they expected to. There was, in fact, a committee that we submitted this to, but neither the students or me or my staff could have imagined how severe it would have been. So there was informed consent, but now we know 
that in those settings it could get out of hand and people really suffered. So he, he alleged, I'm, I'm actually curious, I'd like to know more about that quote. I'm curious to know what committee he's referring to. I mean, it, it sounds like Stanford, Stanford had some sort of ethics committee, um, not an IRB, but something like it. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know what that committee is or what they looked at or how they made their decisions because this is all pre-Belmont. So, which is Belmont is a conference where we established sort of ethical standards for treatment of human participants. So it's about tech. <laughs> <laughs> um, general thoughts? Well, you know, I, I think just not only it's, so it, and that's why it's really interesting to hear, Chuck, what you say, because I think many people, even in this room, if you've taken intro psych, you run into the, the Stanford Prison Study. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've taken intro psych many, many years ago, so it's been umpteens of years since I've known about the Stanford Prison Study. And <clears throat> that's why actually watching this full length, I mean, it's been, uh, for those of you who wonder how much of this is actually true, that's always, that's a really key question, is how much of this is true? And for better or for worse, most of it, all right? I, I will say one thing, uh, th this movie, and it was sort of interesting that this was screened at APA with Phil Zimbardo in the audience who then made comments about it afterwards. And something that he said that I've also read about the movie, I think is key, where he goes, just note that they played up the violence in this movie. And I think a lot of the violence in here, a lot of the physical contact didn't happen. Mm -hmm. It was cinematic license, as it were. That's only a little helpful, okay? Uh, I mean, I think a lot of the drama and the Hollywoodness of this movie comes from some of that violence, but I think still, it's been some time since I've watched even the original video on this. And for those of you listening, and for those of you here, it's called Quiet Rage. And Quiet Rage was the movie that I think all of us watched in grad school. And a little quick anecdote here. Uh, you did see that little end note where it said, Dr. Christine Maslick, you know, and he got married one year later. Little anecdote to show you how old I am. When, the, when Quiet Rage was first released, in that cut of the video, there was a clip of the original 1971 footage where Christina Maslek, the grad student, is, is there and asks a question. That's one of those, but isn't that harming them? And in the original Quiet Rage, there's a cut, and Phil Zimbardo says, that was a really insightful question. And I really, you know, something to paraphrase, I really liked what that graduate student said. And then he cuts to the side and he goes, and I should say, I married that graduate student. And what was yeah. funny is when I started, when I came here to GB and I started showing the clip, I was like, where's that part? Because it's sort of funny. They re-edited Quiet Rage, uh, Quiet, yeah, Quiet Rage, so that in later uh, parts of it, that little bit of, and I married that grad student is taken out. Really? And I thought, and I mentioned that because right at the beginning of this movie, one of the first scenes that you see is sort of establishing this him and, and there's that bit about him and his student and she's going someplace. And I think it's really interesting how there's that under theme of, and then it's her who comes back and says, ooh, you're doing something wrong. And mm -hmm. until that little confrontation in the, in the courtyard, it's not like he's really got it yet, but that's what it takes. So I think, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why after all these years of being exposed to it, it was really neat to watch the whole thing long as it is and still go, yeah, this is really something that is gripping and did something pretty shocking. Mm -hmm. And I think the question for all of us is, was it worth it? No. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that's right. a fair question, right. but I have an answer, for me, <laughs> yeah. at least. Um, no, I, I do, you know, I, I, I find myself, and I was, I, I wanna talk about this more kind of throughout, but I find myself, 
having, I think, partially in response to the, to the video, but also partially in response to reading some things that I've read throughout the day, some quotes from Zimbardo and things like that, just feeling really kind of disgusted with the entire thing, you know, and, and feeling like he, you know, he, he argues, for example, that he got caught up in things, right? And that's what we see in the movie, and that's his quote, it's like, I got caught up in my role as superintendent and so forth. But then I, I have this quote, and I'd be curious to hear what you thought. This is just from um, a, a, few, well, a few months ago, where it's in, in response to the clearly people suffered, we have the ethics board, he responds with, the problem now is all human subjects committees at universities and other institutions have gotten extremely concerned with it and don't allow any of this kind of research. When they could do is give a provisional acceptance. We'll let you do it for an hour a day. We'll, we'll look at the videos and then decide and let you go on. But it's all shut down. So in one way, it makes the prison study more famous because it's an ethical time capsule and it can never be done again. Like, that doesn't strike me as someone who realizes or realized at any point that what he did was wrong. Like that doesn't, that strikes me as someone who's saying, you know, we, we, we can't do this anymore because they won't let us, right? I, I don't know, am, am I over-interpreting that? Is that, oh, I've, <laughs> the audience has to come to the microphone if you want to be here. 20 minutes to get to the microphone. <laughs> you can say it and then we can repeat it, I suppose. Yeah, let's, yeah, we can, you can do that. Oh, now she's on her way. <laughs> Maybe right. you should start making your way down. <laughs> All right, Jenny, All right. go. No, yeah. seriously. Wait, what were we talking about? <laughs> 20 minutes about later. The ethical, ethical time Was capsule. Was it worth it? Ethical, ethical time yeah. capsule, yes. And, and introduce yourself. Oh, you're... I'm Jenny. Thank you. Um, that's really high Jenny, up. Yeah. I can't remember. The ethical time ethical, capsule. Ethical, ethical time capsule. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? Is he sorry? That sort of thing. I forgot my Did question. Oh, okay. Hop in. <laughs> don't, don't go away. It'll come back. Don't go away. It'll come back, right? Hi, I'm Natalie. Um, Hi. I think that what Zimbardo was kind of mentioning and is that he has to think that way to justify his actions. He has to think that way to say, oh, well, these are the reasons why we did this. This is why we, it continued for so long, because if he thought of it another way, it might, you know, hurt his, his psyche in, in, that, in that way. And, you know, I've, I've seen this like six times, <laughs> um, but I've never seen this film before. And I almost got physically sick um, just from watching it. And it was really interesting because I had never really fully understood it until this film. So, so, so while you're there, so yeah. do you think this film brought it home more than the Quiet Rage films did? Um, I understood Phillips. Okay. Uh, um, uh, Mr. Dr. Zimbardo. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, his point of view more from the Quiet Rage because um, you got a little of the that's what happened, this is how I feel now. But from this film, I got more of um, the actual people. Yeah who were involved in the experiment. So I got more understanding um, and empathy for mm -hmm. both sides That's of point. Who, who was in there. Thank you. Yeah. Cognitive, a social psychologist in the audience, uh, what was, what, you what Natalie referred to as what, what Phil Zimbardo is now doing <laughs> is referred to as, anybody? Make himself feel better because, anybody? Starts with a C. Starts with a C, two words. Rides with dissonance. 
<laughs> yeah, cogn I think and I think Natalie a point cognitive dissonance. I really think it's cognitive dissonance, right? And it's classic cognitive, kind of classic cognitive dissonance where you know how does he live with himself? Well, you got to change something. Either it's right, or I or I did the wrong thing, or you know, and that's so I think that's a classic point. It's probably cognitive dissonance. So. You got, basically, you're saying, Dr. Martin, go easy on him. It's cognitive dissonance. Right. Okay. Yeah. okay, I remembered my question. This is Jenny again. <laughs> um, it was about his wife slash grad student and how it took her saying, hey, this is unethical for him to actually realize that, but he still didn't realize it in a way that he still wants it to happen to this day. And then would, if an experiment like this happened today, that was ethical, would we find the same impact that we did from his experiments? So. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, so real, Ryan, I don't know if you ran into this, but for all of you who are wondering exactly that question, if this happened today, right? Uh, some, in 2002, there was a, there's a very well-known study called the, prison, uh, the BBC Prison Study. And you should check that out because what, what the BBC did was they essentially tried to do this in a more ethical way. And uh, it was, two th I think the, the publications around it were 2002, really tried to do it as ethically as possible. And I think when you read that, you go, okay, here's maybe how it could have been done in the 70s. And this was literally, as I said, 2002. So the BBC prison studies, Google that, fun yeah. stuff. That's actually a, a question. So I've got two things I want to say. One I'm going to say for later, and that's just a little bit about the decision to end and how that kind of went down. But, um, but two, I'm, I'm part of what I want to know, and this is, I think, directed a little bit more maybe towards the social psychologist, but maybe not. And that is, is this, is this good research, and what did we learn? I was say one of my favorite parts of the movie was when the colleague comes mm -hmm. in and he was like, what was the independent variable? What's your independent variable? And so like as a teacher of research methods, you know, right. you a little soft spot in the heart for right. you know, pointing out the independent variable. We don't hear that language a lot in, in cinema, so, <laughs> yeah. that, so that was yeah. nice. I was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> so, independent variable yeah. on the big screen. Yeah, yeah, that was, yeah. so that was good. Um, you know, so I think in, in that regard, it's, you know, trying to think about, yeah, we saw a flip of a coin. We saw some mm -hmm. random assignments. So, you know, that, that was nice. But, you know, it would have been nicer to right. kind of have a, a better sense of, you know, is this actually an experiment? Is this more of just a simulation? Um, it is hard. I mean, as a social psychologist, though, it's hard to, to hear the criticisms, though, in some regard, though, because this is supposed to be going, like, to the heart of social psychology, right? Mm -hmm. That we want to see what is that power of the situation. And so Phil Zimbardo kind of comes to the rescue and says, let me show you the power of the situation. It is the prison, right? And mm -hmm. so in that sense, it kind of goes to, like, the, the narrative of social psychology. Right. Quick story about that scene, by the way. So I read the, oh, the independent variable scene. Yes. So I read today um, in the in the scene. It's obviously really confrontational, right? And it and it it sort of I think painted the 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 person's considerably older than him, which I think we're maybe supposed to believe this is a, a person of sort of higher status at the university. Is in reality um, that was actually someone who's about his same age. It was actually Gordon Bauer, um, who who was the one who came up. So Gordon Bauer is. Um, uh, memory researcher, mm -hmm. social memory, something along those lines. Um, so in the, but here's a thing that happened multiple times in the movie that I'm really curious about, and that is they call him Jim in that scene. Now, 
so they at no point. I mean, they they obviously changed who the character was, but allegedly that it was it was actually this other person. The other thing that happens too is that so the original study has three authors, and uh, the other two authors are Craig Haney and Curtis Banks. Um, Craig Haney is now at University of California Santa Cruz in the psychology department. Curtis Banks has passed away. He died in 1998. Um, he was Curtis Banks was the first African American to be tenured professor uh, in psychology at Princeton. Actually, so he went on to Princeton, had a great career, went to Howard, and then uh, passed away. But neither of them are in the cast list either. And so their names have been. I mean, the characters I think are in the movie, but they were both graduate student assistants but their names were changed for the movie, which I think is interesting. Why, why was that? I, I found myself wondering, and I don't have an answer to this, why their names were changed, why they aren't portrayed as they were, um, especially when, and maybe it would have been harder to change the, I, I don't remember the, uh, his wife's name, sorry. Christina, Christina. Christina. Yeah. Um, I, you know, Maybe it would have been harder to change that, but I just found myself curious about that. Um, another, Sort of side note to your question about how real is this, um, Stanford apparently, in order their legal counsel, in order to approve the use of the name, insisted that it be accurate. And so Stanford actually said, according to to uh, to Phil, as I'm calling him, uh, I should mention that in order to use the word Stanford, the Stanford legal counsel made the producers agree that everything in the film would stick to the basic facts of what happened. So they couldn't invent new dramatic scenes. And in fact, the exact opposite happened. Condensing six days down into two hours, there was a lot of dramatic things that happened that they couldn't put in the movie. Uh, or they filmed it, but had to delete it because the film would run too long. So he's saying, and he did. He has noted that the violence was, um, was sort of added. The only physical abuse in, in reality was during the rebellion when the guards broke in and the prisoners started attacking them. So he did. He did acknowledge that that was added. So. But I think that, you know. I think what's interesting though is <clears throat> even that independent variable thing. For that's one of the most interesting things. Even now, where when I say most interesting, it 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 amuses me that we have a lot of debates about whether it, was it an experiment or not. Should it be the Stanford study or was it an experiment or not? And I think if you look, even if you watch this film and if you've taken research methods, there is an answer to the what's the independent variable. Now it may mm -hmm. not be a great study, but there was a manipulation, right? You were either a prisoner or you were a guard. That's a manipulation. So by that basic definition, it's an experiment. Mm -hmm. You know. So I think. So splitting hairs to go, it wasn't even an experiment. Okay, there were a lot of other problems with it. And I think that's what we need to focus on more, whether it's a, an experiment or not. And I think the big one for all of us to bear in mind, and, and, and Chuck, especially as you see this, uh, you know, is it's, yes, the power of the situation that we keep talking about, but, and here, let me, uh, you know, yell out to the University of Washington where I got my PhD in social personality psychology. It's that personality part is that individual differences, right? The John Wayne character, he's not your average character. There was something different about him, doing his little experiments of his own. And I think that's a big thing for us to keep in mind is yes, the situation is powerful, but individual difference is a big deal. And I think even in the original Stanford Prison Study write-ups, that was one thing that many people argue is what was played down was the importance of individual difference. And with that small sample size and no replication, you can see why, but yeah, situations do a lot, but it's each of us brings something that makes a huge difference too. So, my, it's interesting that we've been talking about the independent variable because my my 
question about the research is what was the dependent variable? I mean, I know, I know we know what it is, but there wasn't any measurement of that, right? And if you read the, the study, you know, it's, it's very much, that element of it is very much qualitative. It's, it's not, it's just a general sort of description of what the researchers who were watching perceived from the people. There wasn't a, you know, guards yelled this often. Hit actually, this actually often. they have some of that in, in further, yeah, there's, okay. there's, and this goes back to thinking intropsych, where they basically count up uh, verbal aggression, you know, num number of verbal aggressive acts by guard versus by prisoner, and you see these nice little bars with differences. But but that's a lot of that was later on yeah. count up, you know, where they, they looked at the tapes, there was some there was some inter-reader reliability and things like okay. that. But I think you're right. So it's not very clear, you know, what was really well, used. And it wasn't in the original article, but so it sounds like they've, I mean, this is one of those studies that obviously because it's taped and they have, right. again, they've, they've parsed it out over and over and over again. And so there's, he's got actually a real slick website, by the way. Yep. Uh, I want to say that. <laughs> um, so, uh, but, so yeah, it, it, that was one of my questions, but it sounds like they've done Since further. there's, there's, yeah, there's okay. been some of those count-ups. Chuck, do you have other? I'm going going back to your point about. It sounds like you're not satisfied with the process <laughs> that you saw. Um, and one of the notes I had written down was, "Does cruelty have a purpose?" And that's the thing that stood out to me is when he says over and over again, "But the results are so interesting that we can't." You know, he's basically making an argument that cruelty to other people has a purpose that it, you can learn something from it, even when it's controlled. And I'm. I'm just going to disagree <laughs> with with that generally. Um, I'm, I'm also really struck by the fact that, I mean, there are a lot of things. I have pages of notes in my small notebook here. The pages are small, so maybe there's not that many notes. Um, <laughs> but that authority is not boring. Y you know, that when you look at them lording over other people, that I, I wouldn't want to stand around and watch somebody make their bed for 45 minutes. That's Sounds like the most boring thing a human could do. You know what? I'm going to stand here and watch you make your bed 12 times. Or I'm going to stand here and watch you do push-ups, right? Does that sound exciting at all? But they're really into it. That, you know, the authoritarianism, that authority is just not boring. Um, and that's part of the reason, I guess, why I'm so aligned against the guards um, in, in many ways. Um, and I ended up thinking a lot about, well, there's the comment at the end that um, he asks, you know, what are we all capable of? I, I teach this book called In the Lake of the Woods by Tim O'Brien. Anybody read that? Um, it's about a <laughs> Vietnam vet. My Kate has read it. Yep. It's about a Vietnam vet who comes back, um, and it's a murder mystery. His wife disappears, and he's suspected of the murder. That's the short version. I won't give anything else away. Um, but the central question of the book is really like, what, are, what are we capable of that um, makes me think a lot about personalities as are, are we whole people or are we, do we change by context or something like that. Um, but when I hear that question a lot, well, what are we capable of? And well, we're capable of anything. You just don't know, man, right? And that's what he says at the end. And I hear a different question that they should ask is why can't you imagine something different? And I see them, well, <laughs> When I watch this, I just see a repeated failure of the imagination that um, the guard says, I was so surprised nobody questioned my authority or um, that, that there's that invisible authority that keeps people in place and really you could just walk right through it. 
and walk right out of it if you can imagine that that's possible. And so when I'd watched this, and again, when you had said that you felt physically ill almost, I really felt the same way. Um, and a lot of it is that reason that when you're looking at something that involves cruelty and mental distress that you can easily get out of, just imagine your way out of it. And I don't see that happening. And so I, I, I'm not criticizing them for that. I guess I'm learning that as I watch this, that um, it made me think a lot about authority and of really that the imagination as a human quality, we tend to use it a lot that, oh, we all have it. But when we talk about imagination specifically, it's actually a pretty rare quality when you need it that significantly to get away from something. That's it. All right. All right. That was good. So we you saying imagination as the resiliency coming from imagination developed the... Or to, um, to imagine that the authority and the boundaries of a given situation are not actually what they are. Um, to, I'm just going to keep referring to my own discipline here. I'm really sorry. Um, Jane Smiley is a novelist. She wrote a really great essay about how terrible Huck Finn is as a novel. The, the short version of the essay is that Huck Finn sucks. And part of, the re part of her argument is that um, she criticizes Mark Twain for not being able to imagine different power relationships between the characters. And so I'm reminded of that, that when I watch this, um, that if you're experiencing cruelty and they start to say, well, this is real, or we can't just walk out, or they can't just let us go. Um, no, they can. You just have to imagine that they could have walked out of the door and done that. But it's much harder than it seems, I guess. Does that answer your question? I'm trying to cross disciplines too because I was thinking, you know, there's there's a movie that I saw that I will not reveal the name of because <laughs> it'll it'll spoil the twist. Just to say that, sort of what you were saying mm -hmm. is. In this movie, there's a character who is trapped within a painful situation and goes to, and suddenly halfway through the movie, you see that they, es they escape and things are good. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the movie, you realize that, wait a minute, did this person really escape or is the second good half actually only in their heads? Mm -hmm. So I think that really nicely gets to that mm -hmm. kind of thing. But yeah. Pretty, You're obviously pretty talking about James Bond. Well, we all there know. There you go. There you so. go. <laughs> That's no. right, the soon to be released. But you know, actually, actually just, just to go back to Chuck's point earlier on, you know, and, and this whole notion about taking a look at this from an outside and go, is this ethical, right? Mm -hmm. um, the, Stan, the Stanford Prison Study, I mean, just to get the magnitude of this study, last year, 2015, um, Robert Sternberg and uh, Susan Fisk, big name psychologists, published the case studies of ethical research, okay, or, or something like that title, just last year. And they pulled the biggest studies that had ethical issues and described them at length. And when they talked in the chapter on the Stanford Prison Study, it's really interesting to go, look, first off, the bad news is the Stanford Prison Study can almost let bad people get off the hook because you can say, oh, it's not them, it's the situation, right? But because of the Stanford Prison Study, we can say, wait, it's yes, there's a situation, but let's just not let bad people off the hook. But if we didn't do studies like that, we'd never know that that was the case. Mm -hmm. And that becomes the tricky thing, right? So th what they say, uh, what they argue is it's almost unethical to not do 
some, some of those studies because we would never know about human nature otherwise. And that, I think, becomes really tricky, so. And I can get, I mean, I think that, I can, I can acknowledge that sort of perspective and think about, okay, so we, there, were, there were gains, right? And I'll acknowledge that. I think, though, like, to me, the answer to the question, was it ethical, is, is an obvious no. I mean, and, and that is, I mean, I, I recognize, and part of that is just, if we employ any of our modern uh, ethical standards, then the answer is an obvious no. And that is not to say, and, and that isn't my way of saying, look, you did a bad thing. <laughs> Bill Zimbardo did a bad, bad thing. Um, I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not saying that so much as I'm saying, um, I'm saying that it, it's very, when you look at the process, and I'm gonna read you this quote too, because I actually think there are ways in which the movie underrepresented and, and Quiet Rage did as well. And this is from, again, the 1973 article, the most traumatic evidence of the impact of this situation upon the participants was seen in the gross reactions of five prisoners who had to be released because of extreme emotional depression, crying, rage, and acute anxiety. The pattern of symptoms was quite similar in four of the subjects and began as early as the second day of imprisonment. The fifth subject was released after being treated for a psychosomatic rash which covered portions of his body. And so the movie makes it sound like only one left. And I think that's what Quiet Rage says, right? One or two? One or two. Two. Yeah. two. But according to the original study, five. Um, and their description, crying, rage, depression, a rash, acute anxiety. I mean, th there is no doubt that this had, uh, uh, w was traumatic. For the for the people involved, um, I do. So I, I do want to open things up to questions from from everyone. But I guess part of one of the questions I wanted to look into, and we can think about this and maybe come back to it or what. And that is this question of damage, because he says over and over. I mean, he says here, and they, they say it in the little outro, whatever uh, outro. That's a word, right? Outro. Um, he says no damage, testing revealed no damage. But I think so much of that depends on the definition you, you use of what damage is. Right? Um, so I don't know, if comments on that? Questions, thoughts? Come on up, crazy. Sorry. <laughs> Anyone who wants to ask a question, and I hope there's lots of questions, maybe start coming up, we'll just open it up for that. Okay, so hey, I'm Gracie. Um, okay, so. Hey. <laughs> Sorry. <Yeah. Hey. laughs> Right off the bat, I want to say too, and like I think it was in Quiet Rage that one of the actual the um, prisoners became a prison guard. Yep. Mm -hmm. So I feel like damage, in the sense of the word, is completely different to every person. And I feel like when they say no damage was really done, how much damage, I mean, they endured. I feel like that's not an entirely true statement, especially because if you look at the people and the in, in the interviews and, you know, I hate you. He's like, well, I didn't do anything. I didn't have, do anything harmful. He says, well, I know who you can become. And I think that these people like resented each other in the end. And I also think that the prisoner becoming a prison guard in real life says something too. I think that that says a lot about the experience and that it did actually have damage and whether it was long-term or not, I don't know, but. I feel like they did. And that's part of what I was getting at. It it, it certainly feels life-changing, right? I mean, and so, I don't know, maybe we don't define that as damage, but it, it certainly, I mean, he, participants were different when they were done than when they went in, in a, in a significant way. And, um, and so, it, and, it's, and that includes, I mean, I think, you know, we pay a lot of attention to the prisoners, 
excuse me, yeah, to the prisoners. But I think one of the things that they revealed in the movie too is that the guards now go through life from this point forward knowing what they were capable of in a, in a, in a way they didn't before. Is that, I mean, I don't know if we define that as damage, but again, life changing to, to know that about yourself. I kind of wanted the same thing about like little Albert, right. like how much damage did he actually go through after, you know, mm-hmm. that conditioning. But um, well, that's a whole separate show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, we'll stick to Stanford we'll prison. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This question is uh, directed towards Ryan Uh-oh. asking you as an emotion researcher, mm-hmm. specifically talking about anger, mm-hmm. how do you feel that the prisoners' emotions throughout? the six days that they were there mm-hmm. impacted their overall experience and afterwards. Do they have anger issues now? Do they not trust authority figures in real life? Stuff like that. that that's a, a great question. And I think in some ways, um, I mean, you know, this a situation like this really preys upon uh, reasons, really preys upon the idea that um, all the reasons why people get angry, like you take people and you put them in a helpless situation where they are, they are, they have no power to, to really change the outcome and things like that. It, and you can just imagine how angry and sad and and scared a person might be. Um, as far like being as on Facebook, what's that? Like being on Facebook, yes, like, you can't get out. And, <laughs> you can't get yeah, out. Exactly. You can't escape. <laughs> um, I, I don't. Uh, I don't. I don't know if what kind of long-term effects it would have. Um, I truly, when I think about the long-term effects, part of what they might be, I really wonder about the. To me, it's actually what the what what it would mean to go through life, knowing this about yourself that was sort of new and, and introduced to you. Like, oh, I did I did this, or or even you know the the prisoners who couldn't who couldn't hack it, you know, who, um, you know, and were, were sort of, um, I put that in quotes, which is going to play really well for the <laughs> people at home listening, right? There are air quotes around hack it, just want to make that clear. But, you know, the sense that, um, that, you know, how they might feel about themselves knowing that they couldn't handle six days in a, in a, a fake prison, um, or the guards, or, or excuse me, yeah, the guards who now know um, what they were capable of and that they did sort of these terrible things to people. Um, I don't know, uh, and so that's why I, I, I struggle with that word damage. What do we mean? I mean, I, I'm not. I don't know that they all have PTSD. I don't think they do. I think they tested for that. But what what does it mean to know this other stuff about yourself? Yeah. Thoughts, guys? I think it's easy then to think that you know Zabardo then just says, "Well, this is what we expected, right? We expected right. you to take on these roles, so." maybe taking some comfort and knowing that maybe that's not me, maybe this is just the role mm-hmm. instead. Right. And so making that attribution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. And the, the role is totally linguistic, you know, that it, and I haven't seen any of the original footage, but you know, just from this film that when the people know that they need to be guards, they don't have any trouble talking like guards. They sort of know <laughs> how to act. And the, there's that whole reference to cool hand Luke mm-hmm. that, and the sunglasses that at least the language of being a guard is one that's already known and inherited and that they can perform in a way that they don't need to learn it. They already know it. It's in, internalized, whether it's through popular culture or um, something else. I don't know. Yeah. Quick 
the comment too. I think, and I'd want to verify this for sure, but during that final sequence when that we saw during the closing credits when they had the two guys talking to each other, I think that's actually direct audio from Quiet Rage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It yeah. is, right? And then, and so I think, I thought it was direct audio with then the actors sort of lip syncing over it. And so that's, that's real, those, mm-hmm. those two guys really talking about the yep. experience, and that's real audio from them afterwards. My students and I talked a lot about the need to, to really change given situations or circumstances that you have to learn a new way of talking about it mm-hmm. and to bring in language into situations that doesn't, to, to basically create a new vocabulary or change the vocabulary of a certain context. And that's just not happening he, here, you know, that at least in looking at, and again, this film is my only experience, but I can see that, that again, the the language of a guard and authority is already well known and performed. And in order for you not to be cruel and overly authoritarian, it's not only a matter of changing your behavior, it's changing the way that you talk, which I would argue is actually a change in behavior. So we have a question. Chad? Nice shirt, Chad. Thank you. Good work. Chad's wearing a UWGB psychology shirt. Solid. Good work. Thanks. Hello everyone, I'm Chad, <laughs> for everyone at home. Um, so kind of a broader question, and this will be the psychologist and then someone from the outside. Zimbardo stands, <laughs> um, Zimbardo stands kind of among other researchers such as you know Harlow, um, Lilbert, uh, Milgram, all these experiments that are not very ethical, but we found out a lot, but made everyone else mistrust psychology for years afterwards. Mm-hmm. Do you think we still see those effects today where people don't trust psychology and just the social sciences in general because of this? Or are we seeing that kind of starting to level off or decrease because people are starting to realize the importance of mental health? Or what are your thoughts on that? Jeff, what do you think? I mean, couldn't you guys just have read Lord of the Flies instead? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the prison experiment right there. Yeah, and what, and what IRB did Golding go through? Know, you tell me. Yeah. See, that's the thing with you literature folks, right? You can say anything you want. No ethics. Let's just put them into a, uh, put these little boys on an island and, you know. Who's in charge of that? How ethical place? is that? Yeah, that's it. You know, I'm afraid to go back to a book again after that. Mm-hmm. But so, to be, to, to be honest, uh, that question that, that couldn't you have just read Lord of the Flies, uh, it's, it's very similar to a question that I get from humanists often. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I remember Derek Jeffries in your same program asking me something very similar where he said, a sent- not your same program, but, but in your same department, asking that something very similar, which is, what did you learn that you couldn't learn by going into any prison and just observing what's mm-hmm. there? And Derek is someone who spends a lot of time, uh, you know, talking yep. to people and teaching people in prisons. And so I think what we have is the coin flip, right? It's the, it's the random assignment. Um, I didn't exactly mean the question that seriously, no, just to be but clear. It's a, but, <laughs> no, but I actually think it's a fair question. Yeah. I mean, I really do. I mean, in some ways, I worry that this study may have shown us what people in other disciplines have known for a very long time. And what we did is, I guess, scientifically proven? Is that? Uh, I don't think so. No? No. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think there are different ways of asking the same question. Okay. That somebody wouldn't write Lord of the Flies or The Hunger Games because they know the answers to these, that they're just asking the same kind of question, just with different methodology and less risk and trauma, maybe, (laughs) at least initially, right? right? So, um, but but I could see how, um, I'm working on a draft of a novel, right? And so bad things happen 
in, oh, in this world. I know that's the whole <laughs> the whole spoiler right there. But um, just thinking about the explosion in young adult literature, but dystopian fiction has been a huge thing forever, right? People love this. Um, but I see, look, watching this and learning a little bit, a little bit about the experiment, the same sort of questions about authority that. Um, how do people respond to authority? What lines are you willing to cross or not cross? What are you willing to do at any given time? Um, what are you capable of, I guess you've said a number of times. Um, but yeah, I would say that it's more thinking about the same questions than it is having any answers. Well, I wanna, sorry, you were, you were gonna say something? I was gonna say, I thought, so in the movie, it seemed a little bit more the focus was on the bad guards. So I feel like, you know, when Zimbardo talks about this, he talks about like kind of different categories of guards and that there were good guards. There and were, okay. Yeah, and so I, mean, I feel like that was really missing. It was really only right. about yeah. the bad guards and there wasn't really any of that, that subtlety of like how different people responded. It, and just to be clear, guard role. It, it's like me watching this movie is like knowing nothing about the Kennedy assassination and then watching JFK, like right. just to be clear. <laughs> so, well, um, I, so it's funny you've mentioned that because I actually at one point wrote in my notes the, that the movie seemed to be kind of minimizing the role of of the, the real bad guard, right? The one that Quiet Rage really focuses on. And then as, yeah, and then as soon as I said that, they started to really focus on him and then he becomes featured prominently near the end and, and up so crossed it out thinking nope they got it but I, but I think you know once especially once Kate says that you notice that especially near the end there's that guard sort of he takes the guy who takes his glasses off right and throughout you see one in the background of those little smirks so those and I think that's something for better or for worse Zimbardo also plays up as he basically says look if it wasn't for the study and me noticing some of those guards the whole line of research on shyness wouldn't have taken place and I mean and shyness is huge that he says came from right. the prince, you know, the the prison study. So, yeah, I feel like we didn't actually answer Chad's question, but uh, but we got off. I mean, I think we had a good discussion. But I'm curious, what do we think about the question of did this mistrust? Are, are we still feeling the effects of that? Absolutely, I think so too. And actually, honestly, it's almost worse. It's, I think it's almost worse now because of media that you can share all these old studies. Before it was just people who took intropsych. Mm -hmm. Now, quick clip. Oh, what? Shocking, you know, the electrical shocks. Let's check that out. Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah. Electroshock is making a comeback, by the way. Yeah. With positive results. <laughs> hey, one did fly over the cuckoo's nest. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> what? Um, other questions from the audience? at all? Anything? Favorite bit of the movie? Yeah. A favorite? Oh, it's hard to pick a reason. Yeah, I know, I know, <laughs> I know. There was so many good bits. Yeah. When Simba came home, that was my <laughs> favorite part. <laughs> wow. Um, I, it's is so there, dark. Sorry. <laughs> Do we, any, um, I guess in my notes, I, w I had some kind of what I call WTF moments, you know, where I was sort of watching and thought, really, what, what, did that happen? And so one of them was the blindfold at the opening when they arrested him and blindfolded him. Yes. I thought that That's was weird, that did that, that happen? That, that is That's real, classic. Yeah. It is? I, I knew they arrested him, but they blindfolded the, that him. That way would, they wouldn't so know totally where they were so going. So the transition oh. to the basement of the Stanford. Well, yeah. So here's an interesting little side note. According to one 
source I read, though, they actually spent some time in the Palo Alto jail before yeah, they right. went. Yeah, right. So the, okay. there was a transition. And oh, I, think, okay. I think some were actually deloused there as well, but I think there was an in, a transition okay. period to that, yeah. Okay, so they took him to Palo Alto jail. Those were real Palo Alto police officers, I mean, not in yep. movies, but yeah. it, that arrested them and then, okay. Okay. Other, did anybody else have one of those? What the heck moments? The did bucket really, moment. Did they really make him do that? I think they mm -hmm. did. Yeah. Yep. Okay. The what moment? The bucket when they made them urinate and defecate into a bucket. Yeah. yeah. That was part of the punishment. Showed part, yeah. and I was like, oh my god. Like, well, of course, here there was the crazy looking there, then looking at the sausages. Right. Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, Which I thought, yeah, okay, yeah. 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 When I was like, yeah. transition from that. We to we didn't we don't need that. Yeah. We didn't need that at all. Yeah. No. Other, other moments that. Oh, oh, Kate. oh the, the <laughs> our producer, Kate Farley. Yes, hi, tech Jedi. Hi. And fellow English major. And fellow yes. English major. I'm going to talk about language too. So the idea that depersonalization of these people was automatically engendered with feminized language for these people. Let's mm. talk about that. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And the numbers in general. Yeah. No, but you're right. It was it was totally the you girly boy, you know. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. You can be sad about it. No, I, I, <laughs> I'm good. I was interested in how that. I mean, I'm spending time thinking about that, um, and wondering how much of a difference that it made. I, you know, I guess that if you changed the gender of the participants, would it have been different? I haven't seen Orange Is the New Whatever, and so I don't know if that's <laughs> like that. It's uh, just like this. Yeah, it's yeah, exactly like that. Yeah, okay. you should really <laughs> Gotta get it. a bucket. Um, <laughs> but that the authority there, that the roles bleed over outside of the study, in the film at least. So I'm interested in the moment when the parents show up and the husband neutralizes mm -hmm. the wife's concern. He or when he yeah. does. He dad mansplains yeah. it or whatever. <laughs> and then the, I don't know if it's the girlfriend that and doesn't she say to her, the person she's visiting, that, well, you can take it, right? Can't you? Doesn't she ask that of him? Mm -hmm. And then among the researchers themselves, that, you know, the dynamic of authority seems replicated, replicated from context to context, but that um, even though we could point to male and female figures in the film itself, that the subordinate researchers, then, if you're going to run it through, um, the model through that they're feminized because they don't question authority. They don't stand up to him. Um, and I'm not saying that, but the film is clearly making a big case about that. Um, that, and you know, so what's the argument? Is it that you endure this not to show weakness? Um, and maybe it's my own weakness that makes me not believe that because I would have been out of there in a second. That I'm too weak, I can't take it, nope mom picked me up immediately from the Stanford <laughs> prison study. Um, but I, I don't know, it's a different time. Maybe that is a meaningful dynamic, but watching it now in 2016, I'm one, I didn't feel that it was, I felt like you could change the dynamic and it would still be the same. But I, I am not a psychologist, I have not done experiments, I have no idea. But that's what I noticed about that. Any other final? Thoughts, comments about the movie, about the study? Did I'm, you the, I'm the only one who had something to say about that. 
I, that's scandalous. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I don't dis- yeah. So, okay. I don't okay. disagree. I just also know I can't add to it. All right. I, I don't know what I'd say other Fine. than you're right. Okay. Again, you're right. No. <laughs> I did. So one, I did. I promised I'd mention this too because this is another sort of. This is going to be another Phil jab. But he he, in another article I think from July of of 2015, he says uh, he talks about how, and I think this would there, at least based on this, it sounds like they may be. Um, the movie may have uh, increased her role in the study, that I don't know how much she was actually there for the study. Do you know? Because this makes it sound like she kind of came in because she happened to be on campus and said, hey, let's have dinner. Um, said she, he said, oh, you got to come check this out. Um, she began to tear up and runs out and says, I can't look at this. And then he says, I'm arguing about why this is such an important study. And she asks, how could I not see the suffering that was so obvious to her? And if this was the real me, because what she is, forgive me for this, it, it's not me, I'm trying my best to read it. Um, she had known me before, the professor who was, caring, loving, who was a caring, loving teacher. I'm not sure I want to continue my relationship with, my romantic relationship with you. And at that point, it was really stunning because it was exactly what I needed to, sh- to shake me loose from my fantasy, from my craziness. And that's the point. It's 11 o'clock at night, and I say, all right, I'm going to end the study tomorrow. And we ended the study on Friday the next day. Um, Which I'm sort of struck by, one, is the fact that, um, well, I I think I'm sort of struck by the fact that he sort of recognized this, and then his response is, okay, we'll end it tomorrow. Not not right now, (laughs) not we're going to walk in there, but just we'll take care of it tomorrow. You know, I'm going to give him another eight hours of, of this before we, or however long. Maybe it was 11 o'clock, so maybe tomorrow was an hour and one minute, but I doubt it. I don't know. So I thought it was interesting because in the movie, it makes it seem like he's thinking, you know, over mm-hmm. the night. He's kind of like in this daze and his, you know, like her words are probably like right. in his mind. And so I don't, it would be interesting to know, like if you mm-hmm. could call up Zimbardo. We could tweet at him. you're on a first name basis yeah. with him mm-hmm. and like respond. ask him, like, I am curious to know, like, you know, does he have to think about it or is it like they have mm-hmm. the fight and then he's like, whoa. Right. Now this is real. And it, it feels like from this quote, it hit him at the time, but maybe not. Maybe I'm mis- or, or over-interpreting what he says. But it felt like it hit him at the time, that that was the point, right? Well, um, that's what he portrays in Quiet Rage. Right. The, and then yep. she told me, and that's why I married her, yep. because yes. she tells me <laughs> yes. how it is. Exactly. It so. seems kind of superficial, you know? It does. That here's my choice. Do I lose my girlfriend or do I keep <laughs> punishing these people? You know, <laughs> Do I let them suffer but she might break up with me if I don't? Right. So, uh, yeah. Right. You know, why not? <laughs> why not come to that decision on your own, I guess. But, you know, back to what you were saying earlier about studies and it makes me think about maybe having more than one person in charge of a <laughs> study who could say no. Um, but I'm sure that's common now, right? Well, he had all those co-authors, right? Yeah, yeah like, students. like yeah. the people with the more than one key for the nuclear codes, you know, like there's more than one person who could shut it down instead of the ringleader, I guess. No? Checks sure. and balances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Side note, Phil Zimbardo, third author on this study, by the way. I learned that today as I was looking at it. 
thought you were going to say he was, was in the hallway. He's like, <laughs> side note, Phil's in Ready to come. And ladies and gentlemen, we have for you. He doesn't respond to my tweets, but he did come here. Uh, he, he was in town. All right. You have it well, all wrong. Can I just ask a final question, just in, in we can all, like, via applause, indicate, did you like the movie? Was it worth watching? So, I'm going to assume applause meant yes uh, <laughs> to my question. Is that well, there was, so, there was a double barrel, though. Did you yeah. like the movie? Was it worth watching? You're right. Okay. Not a well constructed. Uh, research methods. Yeah. Research yeah. methods, yeah. people. Yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. Beth, that was for you. All right. Well, um, I want to say a special thank you to our guests. I also want to ask them if they have anything else they want to talk about or plug or anything like that. Regan? I just want to say this. There's so much more to the Stanford study than what you may hear uh, mm-hmm. and even what you see here. So mm-hmm. hopefully it's something you think about. Read up and ab- about a little bit True. more, but there's just so much nuance. Has anybody, have uh, any of you read the Lucifer Effect? Mm-mm. So Chad's a yes. I might have. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, okay. I own it. I okay. think I read it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's. Uh, I have not. I can say <laughs> I that. thought just buying the book kind of conveyed the knowledge. <laughs> yes. Lucifer Effect. Yeah. When did you write it, approximately? Uh, it's a while ago. At least ten yeah. years. Okay. So it's in. Uh, he, he wrote a book about this. Was it post-Abu Ghraib? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. post-Abu Because I think he covers it in And that's in where, detail. I mean, that's where the Stanford Prison Study, after Abu Ghraib, yeah, mm-hmm. that's where it really came back into the forefront. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Lucifer Heroes. Yeah. Yep, the Hero, the mm-hmm. hero Project. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, right, right, right. Yeah, I read about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, go to the the Stanford Prison Experiment website. You just Google. It's it's a good website. It shares a lot more about the study, the backstory, all that. It's really really interesting. So take a yeah. look at that. Check out BBC Prison Study too. Pretty interesting. Regan, can I plug uh, Pedagogical Pundit for you? Is oh, that sure. ready? Yeah. No, no. Well, can you tell people what it is? Because it's a new yeah thing. new new blog on teaching and learning uh, that'll be launching April first. No fool around. Okay. Nice. So. Very good stuff. Well, right. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thank Thanks you. for a lot of helpful feedback. Yeah. Yeah. You're on Twitter, too. Tell people what your Twitter handle is. Regan A.R. Gurong. All right. As is Chuck. And well, yeah, I'm getting there. We're, oh, you're getting we're, sorry, we're yeah, working our way down the okay. line. <laughs> I got stuff to say about everybody. Yeah. Kate, uh, anything you want to plug, talk about? Uh, yes. I have been instructed to plug that there is. <laughs> and she did it. Because I did. Of obedience. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I listen to authority. I'm like the guy at the end, so that's why I'm not swearing. Um, the <laughs> the April 4th, we have a career fair for human development and psychology students. Um, it's a whole career week, so then April 5th is a Tuesday, and we have an excellent grad school talk by Dr. Ryan Martin <laughs> and myself. Yes. You have to and check the notes, <laughs> Uh, also, we are having a panel of accepted students talking, including Chad. If you like Chad's yes. question, come like learn more about grad school more, from yeah. him. <laughs> um, and then April 6th, Wednesday, capping it off with alumni um, coming back and talking about their experiences being that human development and psychology right. major out there in the real world. I know you love the real I world. I love when people <laughs> yes. use talk about the real yeah. world. The career um, fair is actually an experiment. <laughs> wow. We're going to no. flip a coin when you come in the door. <laughs> career or no career. Out of. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> awesome. And you're, you're not on Twitter. Are you on Twitter? I am not on Twitter. No, oh. I have heard of the world of Twitter, right. but I am not yeah. a part of it's it. It's a cruel place. Yes, it's <laughs> horrible, horrible. Just, just follow Chuck Ryan and me. That's it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 I'm going to create a 
Twitter handle for you later today. <laughs> just where people <laughs> gang up on each other. Yeah, it's no, terrible. I own Lucifer. Uh, <laughs> thank you, thank you so much, Chuck. Anything you want to plug? Talk about you're on Twitter and you're brilliant. Um, oh. No, yeah. if you want to be an English major, you should double major in English and psychology. That's mm. all I have to say. No, really, I, I thank you for the invite. I really appreciate it, and my knowledge of this is really superficial. It's based on what I watched in two hours. Mm -hmm. Okay, so just <laughs> okay, good. I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna plug your blog, ChuckRyback.com. I didn't name it after myself because of vanity. It's, it has to do with a, it's called the Domain of One's Own Project, where you name your website after yourself, oh. right? Sort oh. of like, yeah. it's not that I thought that I was that awesome. But <laughs> well, obviously, sorry. Well, we think you're that awesome. Great. And Chuck writes all sorts of fascinating stuff mm -hmm. uh, about the state of the UW system and other things. So some of the best coverage of UW system comes from ChuckRyback.com. Oh, you do? He brought it for a signature. We yeah, no I kidding. I really appreciate he, he it. Makes I didn't know he was going to be here. He yeah. charges for those, by the way, signatures. Yeah. It's like five, ten dollars, right? Something like that. Totally. <laughs> wow. Awesome. All I right. I take debit so cards now. Uh, <laughs> so. Take tears, because that's how I pay for my textbooks. <laughs> <laughs> I could have wow. given that to you for free. I get uh, those. But. Oh, thanks for saying so. Um, yeah, your book is War, by the way. I just realized Gracie doesn't have a microphone, so she, she needs one next time. But um, so, anyways, your book is War. Gracie has it. Wants uh, an autograph. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for coming. Um, I'm Ryan Martin. I just want to plug quick the um, psychology and stuff on Facebook. Um, it's got a Facebook uh, page now. You should go like it. You'll see lots of stuff. You can ask questions. You can tell us stuff we should cover. Things like that. Um, I want to thank Kate Farley, our producer, and Kimberly Vlees um, for, yeah, the um, Kimberly Vlees, who does our podcast art. Uh, and then finally, just I don't know what our next episode's going to be, but I know it might be on Psychology of Superheroes with Dr. Brian Carr. Uh, it might be on Environmental Psychology, or at least that's coming up, but I think we're saving that for Earth Week. Uh, we are also going to showcase some psych student research. So all of that is coming up uh, in future episodes, so stay tuned. Thank you all very much. It's on some never.